today we're going to read some words that may sound familiar to you, but the words that we're going to read next uh, are from the Psalms that happened thousands of years uh, before Christ. So let's share in God's good word together. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. My parents' DNA together caused the middle, the hairs in my middle ear not to form. And those hairs are what transmit the sound wave to your brain. From as early as I can remember, I, I've always had the desire to be able to, to hear. I have 85 bilateral decibel loss. It's considered severe to profound hearing loss. Wearing hearing aids, there's always a constant roar. There's always a constant hum. There's always like background noise, white noise. You're in a room and there's people talking. There's um, birds singing. There's a dog barking. There's kids playing. All those noises are just jumbled into one big, huge ball of noise. There you go. It's creeping. So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, it's exciting. nothing like hearing the voice of the one who loves you. There's nothing like hearing the voice of love surrounding us. There's nothing quite so devastating when that voice goes silent and you can't hear it anymore. It's it's almost as if you you wish that you hadn't heard it at all because now that you long for it and, and it just won't come, it won't be there. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding pastor here. And today, um, you are at a graduate level course in God. This is going to be, in some ways, difficult but important. If you've been walking with the Lord uh, very long at all, this is for you. Uh, If you're new to faith, hang on. Uh, Let's talk about it midweek. Because today, we're going to talk about when God is silent. It happens. It's happened to me. If you've walked with the Lord very long, it's probably happened to you. But to, to, before we hop in here, we need to know what, what's gotten us here. And first of all, um, John, uh, Pastor John here, helped us know that God is still speaking. God is still speaking. And, and many of us, most of the time, hear God, uh, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a great thing. But often, that voice of God will come through other mature mentors. And so we looked at the story of Eli and Samuel, and God was calling Samuel, but Samuel could not discern the voice of God without his mentor, Eli. That's how it works most often. Uh, Many of us came to faith through uh, older, mature voices who knew the Lord. And then the next week, Pastor Brandon let us understand that God's voice is found where we least expect it, like in silence. This was the case for Elijah. Um, God was not in the big earthquake or the big fire or the big wind. God was in the silence. And so Elijah wraps himself in his mantle and steps out to be in the presence of God and hear God's voice. 
Last week, um, I reminded us that God's voice is direct, it is loving, it is consistent, and it does not argue. If you have an argument going in your head, that's you, that's not God, right? God doesn't try to convince you. God simply says what is, because God is truth. Jesus says, I am the way, I am truth itself, I am life itself. And you can always know what God wants you to do in the Bible. So if you think that God is calling you to do something that is cross-purposes with what Jesus teaches, that's not God. That's you or, or something else, but it's not God. Because you always know what God's saying because God's word is the scriptures. And so those have to line up. And so as we get going to, to be able to actually um, work with this material, um, we need some reminders. First of all, we must love God for more than what he can do for us. Say that with me. We must love God for more than what he can do for us. Now, for those of you who really know the Lord, you're like, wait a minute. You know what God can do? Anything. How are we supposed to love a God who can do anything and love him for more than what he can do for us? Well, friends, if, if the only way that you're relating to God is to get him to do something for you, then he's not God. You're God. And he's your servant. And God doesn't do that. Jesus says that he will be our master and Lord or nothing. God has to be God. And if you're still trying to manipulate the relationship so you can get what you want and, and God serves you, then the whole thing's off. You've got, you got to start there. And, and here's the second thing, though. God will never love you more than he does right now. Seriously, think about that. God will never. He cannot love you more than he loves you right now. And third, God will never love you less than he does right now. You are loved. And this is true because God's love is not based on our behavior. God's love is not based on our behavior. And let that sink in. God's love is based on God's character. And that's why God will never love you more or never love you less than he does right now. Because it's not based on you. God's love is consistent. God's love is character. God is love. That's what 1 John teaches us. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for, say it with me, God is love. That's his character. That's God's substance. God is love itself. And so because that's the case, we know that God is more ready to hear us than we are even to pray. Do you have to wonder or worry, does God want to hear my prayers? Oh, yes. He created you, called you good. He wants to be in relationship with you and has done everything possible to do that, including giving himself on the cross in Jesus Christ. God is more ready to hear you than you are even to pray. And then we start to get into um, a deeper level, and that is this, that God hears all our prayers and God answers all our prayers. God does. It's just that those answers may not be what you want. But God always hears and God always answers. And so the first thing that we can celebrate is that sometimes and often God says yes. And when God says yes, the scripture says, give thanks to him and bless his name. One of my favorite psalms in all of the Bible is Psalm 100. It says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's what we do. That's why we come on Sundays. To give thanks and praise to God because he is good. He's taken care of us another week. And so we come and we say thank you. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what, friends? Thanksgiving. That's what we do. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. That's what we do when God says yes, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. 
Well, that's the fun part. Then sometimes God says no. Now, we can do the same thing when God says no, but we have to understand who God is. That God is always good, right? God is good how often? Right? And all the time God is good. Always. So when God says no, it is for your good. You have to know that. When God says no to you, it means something better is coming. It's for your good. So when God says no, we ought to say, yippee. But that's not our natural inclination because we want to be in control. Friends, you don't want to be in control. You want God to be in control. Because God is merciful and God is good and his character is love. So, these are some times when God says no. I want to give you three of them. God says no when saying yes would bring you harm. Right? God's going to tell you no if a yes would bring you harm. Right? So if you are in an airplane and you're thinking of jumping out and it's working right, you might, God might say, no, that's not a good idea. You might want to have a parachute. Um, you know, I mean, who, who jumps out of perfectly good working planes? Anyway, um, see, the thing is God says no when yes would bring us harm. The other thing is, and, and we learn this in, early, uh, in our early days when we're playing competitive sports, God says no when we pray at cross-purposes with others. You see, God's character is love and grace and mercy. And so when you have, you know, Bedlam every year and all the OU people are praying one way and all the OSU people are praying the other way, the OSU people are praying harder because we lose more often. Um, but, you know, God can't answer those prayers. We're not going to end in a tie every year, right? And nobody would be happy with that anyway. Right? So that's just how it is. You, you can't pray. You can't have all these people here praying uh, to win a war and all these people praying here to win a war. Right? And the destruction that happens. God's not going to answer that prayer. Because God has children on both sides of that war. Both sides of that game. So when we, we get mad at God because our team didn't win or things didn't go our way, you're just going to have to get over that. Because God's children encompass the whole earth. Right? So God says no when God has something better for you. I, I think about, um, you know, some. Uh, I love Garth Brooks since I'm an O State guy. Um, and he says, thank God for unanswered prayers. Now, you don't have to think very hard if you're older than about 25 about all the girlfriends or boyfriends that you had and, and how fortunate you are that they said no to you. You stalk them on Facebook and you go, oh, you are a wreck. You know, I'm so glad that you said no, right? right? I mean, thank God for unanswered prayers. God says no when God has something better for you, right? Now, the most painful place we see this in all of the Bible is at the cross. From noon on, darkness comes over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Jesus has been on the cross since nine that morning. And about 3 o'clock, Jesus cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same words that we read earlier from the Psalms. He's quoting the Psalms. And when some of the bystanders heard it, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. And at once a man ran and got a sponge, and he filled it with sour wine, and he put it on a stick and gave it to Jesus to drink. But the other said, Wait, 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 no. Let's see whether Elijah will come to save them. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his even Jesus had a time when God went silent, when God said no, when he wanted to be saved from the cross, and it would not happen because God was up to something better. Now, this is where the teaching gets really difficult. That something better may not be just for you. It may be for the world. 
And in Jesus' case, it was for the salvation of the entire world. For all time that you and I could be here. For all time, for all people, forward and back. That this one moment in history, where we, the atonement, where we become at one, the at one with God. Because of what Christ suffered and did for us. God was doing something much greater, much bigger, better for the world. And sometimes... God doesn't say yes, and God doesn't say no. God simply says, not yet. Wait. Not yet. I'm at work. And here's the thing about God. God's timing is perfect. Will you say that with me? God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Now, you think about this. If God granted every wish or prayer of a pregnant lady, um, we'd have a lot of early births, wouldn't we? I mean, I've never known somebody like week 38 that goes, oh, no, this is great. I love it. You know, just whenever, be fine with me. No, I mean, it gets uncomfortable in this life. But this is what the scripture says about God's timing. Do not ignore this fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, not one but all to come to repentance, to turn our lives towards him. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on all of us. God's timing's perfect. Now, I love this story from the mission field. A carpenter was building some crates for, um, to give some clothes to some folks in China, to an orphanage in China, and on his way home, he reached into his shirt pocket to find his glasses. Well, they were gone. And he remembered putting them there that morning. So he drove back to the church to search the church to see where his glasses were. And when he mentally replayed uh, his day earlier, he realized what had happened. The glasses had slipped out of his pocket unnoticed and fallen into one of the crates that he had built to put the clothes in, which he had nailed shut after they were full. His brand new glasses, he had just gotten them that morning. And he cried out to God on his drive home. This was during World War II, during the Great Depression. He goes, it's not fair, God. I spent my last dollar on those glasses. And I've been very faithful in my giving of my time and my money. And I've, I've gone to the church. Some of you know what this feels like. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. And he was mad at God. Now, several months later, the director of the orphanage from China came to the United States. And he was visiting all the churches that had supported him. So he came to speak one Sunday night at this small church in Chicago. And the carpenter and his family sat in their regular seats among the sparse congregation that night in the back as Methodists do. (laughs) The missionary began by thanking everybody for their faithfulness in supporting the orphanage. But most of all, the missionary said excitedly, I must thank you for the glasses that you sent last year. You see, the government had just swept through the orphanage and they destroyed everything, including my glasses. And I was desperate. I I, I couldn't see. I couldn't read. And even if I had the money, there was simply no way of replacing those glasses. I started to get headaches. And, And so my coworkers and I, we were very much in prayer about my need daily when your crate arrived. When my staff removed the cover, they found a pair of glasses right on top. The missionary paused just long enough for his words to sink in. Folks, when I tried on those glasses, it was though they had been custom made for me. I just want to thank you for being a part of that. Now, most of the people in the congregation thought, I don't know what he's talking about. There were no glasses in that list. We didn't do that. But in the back, with tears streaming down his face, an ordinary carpenter 
realized that even through his frustration, even through his exasperation, even through his anger at God, God had used him in an extraordinary way. God uses us, sometimes even when we don't know it. God will use us. And then it comes sometimes, like it was with this man, God's silent. Didn't even answer him back. He's yelling at God, you, you took my glasses, it was so hard on me. And God's just like, hold on, wait a minute, you'll see. Give it time. I'm doing something. I'm doing something. Now, here's the thing when God is silent, and I want to be really careful with this because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. There, there are two things that happen. The first is that sometimes God's silent is because it's on us. We just got to get honest about that. I don't know that I've ever talked to somebody who claimed to be an atheist that was really an atheist. Almost in every case, they were simply mad at God. There had been some major tragedy in their life. They had been mistreated by their parents. They had lost a child. They had lost a brother or sister. There had been a major thing where they simply could not forgive God. And so they shut him out. They wouldn't listen. And they came to believe or at least say out loud because it was easier and more palatable, I don't believe in God, rather than owning what they were mad at God about. But if you get to know folks that often will claim that there's no God, if you listen closely enough, somewhere in their story, there's a moment where they did know God and then they refused him after. Sometimes it's just that we're mad at him. And friends, if that's you today, oh my gosh, listen, listen, listen. Just talk to him about it. God is a big God. He can handle your anger. He can handle your mad. I mean, just tell him, God, I'm really mad at you about this. That's what the entire book of Lamentations is. It's laments. God, we don't think you're running the world right. There's still some of us writing those laments, right? It's not how we would do it. It's okay. Other times, it's because we're mad at others. And we know that Jesus tells us to forgive, and we don't want to. And so we say he's silent. God's not silent. We just don't want to hear what he's saying. So Jesus actually says this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. I mean, seriously, just leave your gift there. And first, do what? Be reconciled to your brother or sister. That's first in the kingdom of God. It's about relationship. And if you're not willing to do that, of course you're not going to want to hear from God because that's what God says. And he doesn't change his mind about it. He doesn't argue with you about it. He simply says, forgive and be reconciled to your brother or your sister. So sometimes we think God is silent when God has already told us what we're to do and we are disobedient or we're impatient. God says, do this, and we say we don't want to. And God doesn't come back and go, oh, please. God doesn't do that. He simply says, do this. And you choose it or you don't choose it. But he's not going to argue with you about it. So sometimes God is silent simply because of our own disobedience. And that, that's true. But then there's another time. And we need to understand this. St. John of the Cross in the 1500s uh, wrote about this. St. John was a, a Carmelite monk. He was trying to reform the Catholic Church. Uh, this is right at the time of Reformation, coming out of the Dark Ages. And it, it was during this time that the church said, no, we don't want to reform, uh, so much so that we're going to put you in prison. And so it was in his time in prison, during his confinement, that he wrote The Dark Night of the Soul. I recommend it to you. 
It describes the work of God upon the soul, not just in joy and light, but in sorrow, loss, and in darkness. He writes in The Dark Night of the Soul that what God is actually doing is maturing us. He's growing us up. It's a real thing. Has been um, for more than 500 years uh, as recorded through church history. And at a certain point in the spiritual journey, John writes, God will draw a person from the beginning stage of faith to a more advanced stage. Such souls will likely experience what is called the dark night of the soul. The dark night is when those persons lose all the pleasure that they once experienced in their devotional life. You you might remember in your early life when, when you come to faith, all of a sudden you see God everywhere. You pray and there's answers. It's very exciting. And this happens because God wants to purify them and move them on to, say it with me, greater things, deeper things. He says, after a soul has been converted by God, that soul is nurtured and caressed by the spirit like a loving mother. God cares for and comforts the infant soul by feeding it spiritual milk. Such souls will find great delight in this stage. Yes, the early stages of faith are great, but there will come a time when God will bid them to grow deeper. That's the dark night. And the thing is, as we're growing in faith, if we're not careful, we will fall to pride. The first and deepest, darkest sin. Spiritual pride is the worst. And the dark night frees us from spiritual pride and it grants us humility. Right? It's, it's those people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They drive you crazy. You're like, you know, I need you to take out the trash. And they're like, I'm going to pray about that. Like, no, take out the trash. You don't have to pray about that one. Just do it. You be helpful. Such persons become too spiritual. They like to speak of spiritual things all the time. They become content with their growth. They would prefer to teach rather than to be taught. We always have to be teachable, friends, always. They begin to do these spiritual exercises to be esteemed by others. They want others to realize how spiritual they are. And they will also begin to fear confession to another for it would ruin their image. I'm sure that was only a problem in the 1500s. It's, It's not a problem in Edmund. So when they actually do talk in their small group or they talk in confession, they soften their sins when they make confession in order to make them appear less imperfect. Right? Oh, yeah, I sin, but it, you know, it's just gossip every once in a while when we know that's not really the case at all. And the dark night frees us from an unhealthy attachment to feelings. Right? Sometimes I'll hear people say, oh, well, I just wasn't feeling it today. Well, that's okay. Our faith isn't about our feelings. We don't worship our worship. We worship God, whether we feel it or not. It's to mature us, to deepen us. St. John says they will beg God to take away their imperfections, but they do this only because they want to find inner peace, not for God's sake. Right? You ever prayed those prayers? Oh, God, you know, I just want some peace. I don't really care how this affects God or anybody else. I just want to get out of this mess. He says they do not realize that if God were to take away their imperfections from them, they would probably become prouder and more presumptuous still. He couldn't live with them. And so if you ever wonder why can't I get over this, it's probably just because if you did, no one would want to be around you. So just own it. Yeah, I still struggle. We all do. We do struggle. So what God is doing there is God is urging us to grow up. He's like, grow up. Come on. Mature. Do what you're supposed to do because you love me. Not because you're getting some spiritual goodie. Grow up in him. So we love God and others not because of their behavior. Oh, you remember that? Right? We're going to love others Not because of their behavior, but because of our character now in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same thing we talked about at the beginning of the sermon, we're now doing. Right? Because Christ is coming to live in us. And now we get to love people regardless of their behavior. Because of our character. Because God's character now lives in us. See how that works? 
If you don't, I want to bring Kathy Meyer up here because I think she does that very well, actually. We've, we've walked together a, a long journey. Uh, we want to talk very quickly about 10 years of her life and her family's life. And here's the thing St. John of the Cross ends with. He says, for true spirituality consists in perseverance. Say these with me. Perseverance, patience, and humility. And we've done some of that together. So will you all welcome Kathy Meyer? Here she is. I'll bring, I'll bring your chair up. Sure. Thanks. So when I met Kathy, I don't think you had any kids at all. I was pregnant with Eli. Yeah, you're pregnant with Eli. You're first. Sit right here. Okay. So um, shortly after that, I found out that you were pregnant with triplets, um, and that was a, a big deal. Yeah, it was huge. Right? Right? So, so there, there you are. And there's little Eli. He was two. Yeah, he was two. Now he went through confirmation this year. So it's, it's been a little bit. And um, so we, we started there. And then we knew the room you were, you scheduled that. And so everybody came in. And so um, I, I want to make sure that I say this to the congregation as a whole. I didn't bring Kathy up here to, to talk about one of the points that I made in the sermon. I want you to see how all of it, God said yes to you. God said no to you. God said, wait, God's been silent. So talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, Well, where do you want me to start? (laughs) This is when the triplets came, and we had grown in our faith. Uh, We felt God preparing us. We were very excited for that step. And um, this, we thought, was kind of the end. Like, well, we made it through the pregnancy. Here we go. But this was actually just the beginning. And... um, there's Brady. So uh, they had an emergency C-section. They were all born about two pounds uh, at 30 weeks down at OU. And everybody was doing great. And I'm like, yay, we're going to do this. I know the NICU. I'm prepared. It's going to be up and down. Um, I had worked in the hospital prior. And so there's Brady. And he was doing well and then got sick. And um, we prayed for him as a congregation. And We felt God surrounding us, but in our prayers, we prayed for him to be healed, whether that was going to heaven or whether that was staying here on earth. And I felt very strongly that God was telling me no. Um, Every time I would pray to God, he kept giving me that cup, uh, you know, when Jesus said for three times right before he got arrested, if this cup could pass. Lord, please, but your will, not mine. And that's what I kept having. So I knew God was telling me no, and I knew that that Brady wasn't going to live. And um, that was really hard. But even when he told me no, he was with us. And I just felt a peace that I couldn't even understand. You hear about it, but then we just, we had such peace with it. We knew he was with us, and he kept telling me, just let me be with you. Just give, like, everything you said today, I'm like, yes, yes, all those emotions, give them to me. I can handle them. And so through our anger and our grief, God just said, let me hold you and let me help you through it. And, um, and hallelujah for that. We were so thankful because this is Pastor Mark baptized um, Brady, and it, we had family in and out, and it, it was very tumultuous up and down. I mean, you, you were there, but this, these moments were just precious moments for us to have. Um, just to share that time together. And, and it was in that season that you told me that it really it was Brady hanging on and all that he did in his short life to get Drew and Jordan 
to be the healthy kids they were today. Yes. I mean, God really felt like he, Brady was a gift. He was never going to live a long time, but if he would have died in utero, it would have affected uh, Jordan and Drew. And so he held on long enough for them to be able to grow and develop and they're, you know, wild 10 year olds running around today. And that's a picture of them. This season was, uh, even though, you know, we felt peace, then it's chaos. You know, I have a two year old and then Drew and Jordan, that's Brady's urn. Uh, We had a memorial service here and it was, even though it was hard, it was a very peaceful time. And I felt God like I had never felt him before. And it's in that season, it's that, that maturity where, like, I did not want that time to end. And so in those years after of living life and, and trying to keep up with, with three kids and, and being a military spouse with my husband traveling a lot, um, God did go more silent. Yeah. You know, there were moments when that, where he's like, not yet, you know, just, it, it wasn't easy. I thought, okay, we made that. And we shared God's love, and yay, but then, you know, even in the NICU, Drew got sick, and I got a call a night that he might not make it, and, um, you know, and then there were times of them getting sick afterwards, and and monitors, and asthma, and I mean, just like, is this ever going to, I felt sometimes like, is this ever going to end? Why why does this keep happening? I asked Kathy this week, I said, did, did God ever go silent? I think I remember a time where God went silent. She's like, Mark, I had two twin little infants and a three-year-old. Of course God was silent. You know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. And my other response is, I was pretty sleep deprived. So yeah. it's all a blur. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then, I'll, I'll never forget, right outside the office door in the other building, you walked up to me and you're like, hey, Pastor Mark, surprise. Guess what? And I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. Surprise. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, yes. Which was super surprising because the others had been planned in a very particular way. Yes. You weren't really supposed to be able to have children in this way. Yes. Just like, ta-da. Right. And yes. then... Infertility was part of our, our backstory uh, yeah. with all the other kids. So when we found out that we were pregnant, uh, they were... Eli was five and Jordan and Drew were three. And I felt like I was just finally getting my sanity back. And I'm like, yes, we made it. No more diapers and bottles and then God's like surprise and I was like ah, I'm gonna laugh because if I don't laugh I'm gonna cry yeah. and uh yeah and it was Luke who now is six so um he's like that's awesome you know that his response was that's awesome what a gift and I said yes and and my husband said the same he's like God's rewarding us for our faithfulness and this is so amazing and and then the complications literally started that week and I was barely out of my first trimester. I'm on bed. Like, they told me to do bed rest at home with a five-year-old and two three-year-olds. And I'm like, that's not really possible. And uh, there were just lots of ups and downs. And it was the hardest pregnancy with all kinds of complications. Um, I ended up being in the hospital for a month on bed rest. And at 26 weeks, I went in um, in an emergency situation. And it was every day. Is he better inside or outside? Like just that back and forth, back and forth. And that's really a time when I was very frustrated at God. I thought I, I, thought I had done this. I don't know why you're making me do this again. Right. And um, Me too, by the way. <laughs> it was, yes. Yeah. And so Luke was born, emergency situation, had lots of complications, spent six weeks in the NICU, um, came home on monitors, and it was all falling into place. My husband left for training in Texas. Um, 
We were preparing to move to Florida. The military had already given us orders. But, um, and then Luke got sick. And we, he was 11 weeks old. And uh, he was on some monitors, just being a preemie. And um, his heart essentially had a, col- uh, a cardiopulmonary episode where his heart stopped beating. And I gave him CPR. And those, that's pretty much my lowest point. I was done. I didn't know why he kept doing this. I gave him CPR and until um, the ambulance arrived, and they got him intubated and got a heartbeat, and we went to Children's and started the next phase. And that's when I was like, "What? I don't want to do this. I know there. I know what lies ahead. I know all this hard work, and I don't want to do it again." And that's yeah. when yeah. that that whole not yeah. yet part. He said, "Be patient." Do not rush through this. Just keep going and keep your faith. And I had a lot of big emotions that I shared very boldly with God. Yeah. (laughs) And with Pastor Mark. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, and we did that together. It's not very often that my oldest goes on hospital visits with me, but I I think my own family was so concerned about how I was doing, trying to care for you in that season. Because I was like, okay, Lord, you know, I got the Brady thing. We got that down. You gave us Luke. If you take him, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what I to was. say to the congregation. We've been fasting. We've been praying. We've been fasting. We've done everything we know to do. We've, we feel like we've been faithful. I don't understand this. This doesn't, this doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. And so we, we came up late. We were out of town when it first started and then came in, came straight to the hospital. Um, and then miracles and miracles. Yep. It wasn't immediate. What was that? Weeks. Yeah. He was Weeks. in the hospital for a month. There were, it was our, it was our first Christmas. It was over Christmas. There were days. They told us he was not going to make it, by the way. He. Multiple but, times. <laughs> He didn't. Andy had a six-hour drive from San Antonio back. He, I had to call him in the ambulance and say, you know, this is what's happening. And so in that, even in that six hours, he improved, but then he would have setbacks. And um, he was in the ICU for, for a month, and he didn't come home until late January. And he came home, even then, he came home on monitors, on oxygen, uh, very sick, very weaning off narcotics that he had been on. And it was hard. It was so hard. And I just thought, what, like, you gave me that gift. And <laughs> next time, can you just give me a bit, an easier gift? Because that would right. be, <laughs> right. that's really how, like, you gave that gift, and we were so excited to receive it. And then to have to go through all the hard and moving to Florida without the medical folks having to redo yes. all that again. Do I mean, that's, that's quite a journey. But, but all that to say, uh, Easter looked like this this year. It did. Right? Uh, yep. The twins are... Right, you can clap for that. God is good. Yep. <laughs> there it they takes are. a while. And um, Mr. Luke. There's our Luke. Our blonde he, hair, blue-eyed. Walking miracle. Walking miracle. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, there goes God. Yep. yep. There, there's God's yeah. faithfulness. And we can't imagine our life without him. You yeah. know, he, he just, yeah. yeah. And the twins are great. Yep. Doing great. Ornery yeah. as ever. And so I, I wanted to close this section. Last Sunday I was, I was sitting right there as I do, and I'm, I'm praying for the congregation as you come up for communion. And I just hear this sweet little voice singing the, the communion songs. And I look up over my shoulder, and it's Luke. Mm-hmm. He, she's holding him, coming up for communion. And, um, and he's just singing his heart out, just singing God's praises. And I'm like, wow, wow. Ten, ten years of God's faithfulness. Just, I mean, that's not how I would have chosen it. Yep. But, wow. 
So will you all thank Kathy for sharing her story with us? Thank you. It's a blessing. Yeah. A blessing thank to be you. part of it. God bless you. So you may wonder uh, what to do with all that. Um, let's, let's start with little stuff. Let's start with little stuff. These are your action points for this week. I want you to count the times that you judge someone who's doing less than you. Let's think about that. I mean, in a day, let me write them down. Oh, yeah, because we all do this, right? It's like we're all keeping score, and then we think, ah, oh, slacker, right? And, but, here, but guess what? God's love for you is not based on your behavior. That's instructive. So when you find yourself judging others, right, because they're doing less than you are, stop and just relax and enjoy God. And say, God, thank you for loving us because of your character, not because of our behavior. And if you love me and you love them because you do, then I'm just going to say thank you and love you and love them. Because if that's who you are, that's who I want to be. Grow me up. Grow me up to be like you. I mean, think about that. I mean, some of you are going to have a big relaxing day tomorrow. Right? And then finally, be patient with God. God knows what he's doing. He really does. Just be patient with God. Work in God's timing because it's perfect. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are enough, that you know what you're doing, that you are almighty and your timing is perfect. And we thank you for Kathy. We thank you for Luke. We thank you for Drew and Jordan and Eli and Andy and all the family. We thank you for Brady. We thank you for what you're doing in our life in your time. And where our words fail us and we don't even know how to pray, we thank you for teaching us that too by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.